Welcome back to Decadorks. We're the 12 sided guys. We have Scott playing Ornan. At your service. Sabrina playing Sylvie. Oh, hi. Jordan playing Magrim. You're most welcome. Matt playing Guy. That is my name. Don't wear it out. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, I, I didn't realize you were here with us in this campaign. I've been playing lots of Baldur's Gate 3, and it's really influenced my voice. I'm sorry. And me, Paul, playing Baldur's Gate 3 in my spare time. And in case you're wondering, for my custom character Elf Paladin, I went with option D. <laughs> <laughs> if you're liking our new campaign so far, then go leave a rating and a review and tell your friends about us. Also, consider becoming a patron by going to patreon.com slash 12sidedguys. The maps and wiki are being updated as the story progresses, and you can see the battle maps where all the excitement is happening. And even just a couple of bucks a month helps us out with some of the costs for running the podcast. Anyway, if you beat Tiamat in one round because your black belt hit six times with one attack, then this podcast is for you. It's Chorus of the Forsaken, episode four. I actually don't remember how many times your black belt did hit, Matt, but I remember Tiamat did not stand a chance no, it against was, your party. The black, dude, the black belt got crazy powerful. And he was cheap because he didn't have to buy weapons for him. Wait, which game is this? That's the original Final Fantasy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the very first one. Yes. The final one. <laughs> yeah, the very first <laughs> final <laughs> one. The very first Final Fantasy. That's great. You know what I what I've heard though is and this maybe just maybe an urban legend but a, apparently they called it Final Fantasy because Square was out of money and this was their last ditch effort to get a game out that would actually make them money. Oh, I've heard that too but I don't know if it's true or not. Well one thing's for sure that Ron DeSantis yearbook picture is a fake. Sir <laughs> 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 mixes a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, welcome back to the Chorus of the Forsaken. Last time we were together, I didn't even tell you guys what the name of this forest is that you guys are in. It is called the Shadow Pines. As we were camping... Mr. Pine? <laughs> Actually, we fought, we fought him in one of the random saved games when we were with Link. We did fight Shadow Pine. You're right. We did. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, last time we were together out here in the Shadow Pines amidst this broken down caravan of carriages, we had um, Calden Silvercrest, the 26-year-old son of the Lady Nalira Silvercrest. Guy's, okay, he's one um, year older than me. <laughs> paramour? Um, or no, Guy is the Paramour. Uh, Paramore was a band that apparently was Christian to begin with, with a name like Paramore. Anyway, I'll stop talking now. Um, but um, after meeting Calden Silvercrest, as well as a man named Tobias, who you found out worked for the Baron, um, Gideon and Riley, the other, uh, the two drivers of the caravan, um, were getting everyone settled down for the night. And as you were resting and having um, a changeover in who was keeping watch suddenly after many attempts to spot these sneaking creatures there were six gricks that came up out of the woods off of these rocky um uh, some of these rocks that are tucked back in here by the trees by these pines and firs in the dark and began attacking the party 
they attacked the horses first, as well as a dwarven man and Evangeline Lily, who were sitting, who were sleeping by the fire, <laughs> and dragged them. Out. I'm so sorry, Evangeline Lily. I know you're a fan, and we keep talking about you. Um, we don't. We, we'll have to figure out a different name, but um, we love you, Evangeline. If you're listening, we would love to have you on the show. Yes, yes. We we love you. We love you. Um, they were dragged out into the darkness as uh, our party, as well as the other members of this caravan, began to fight back against the Grix. There were some heavy hits. Uh, I believe Guy lost half of his hit points in one shot. Sylvie took some damage and then started blasting back with her magic. Uh, thank goodness for the dark and the trees and the obscured line of sight, because after the Grix were vanquished, we had two injured horses and a dead horse, as well as two missing people. And thanks to a very good lie by Guy, it seems that everyone was convinced, at least for now, that the Grick were being controlled by a wizard who was casting spells in the middle of the night against this caravan. You're welcome. <laughs> as everyone gathered back up, uh, the last thing that happened was um, you saw the reaction of the people sitting here in, at the fire uh, to the idea of magic being used around them. You saw Tobias, the the employee of the Baron, reach up and grab some sort of holy symbol, um, some sort of talisman around his neck and begin to mutter a prayer. To who? You're not sure. You also saw, I think it was Ryla, give a skeptical look at the idea of a wizard, but she... Um, she quickly turned away and got back to work taking care of the horses. And it was Magrim who saw Calden Silvercrest, the uh, the charge of Guy, the, the person who Guy was sent out here to meet, to get to know, and to make sure arrived safely in Baragrad. It was Magrim who saw Calden tuck a book further into his backpack. And that is where we are right at this very moment. At this point, Ryla has pulled the two injured horses over closer to the camp. There is a dead horse back in the woods surrounded by dead Grick. Um, and we have uh, Gideon and Ryla who are debating back and forth. You can hear their conversation. You hear Ryla saying, it's a, it's a death sentence. We, we can't, they're, they're lost. And Gideon is countering with, we can't lose our charges. They're un this will reflect poorly on us and their families deserve to know. And you all are gathered next to the fire as Gideon and Ryla are having a conversation between the two of them as to whether or not they should go after the two people who were dragged off into the woods. Well, I'll head out there. They couldn't have been taken too far. That was sudden. I I think they could have been taken too far. Um, it seems to me that the rescue mission would be quite dangerous. It's 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 dark, and there are worse things in this forest than just Griggs. Yeah, like uh, a wizard shooting some spells out there. <laughs> right, <laughs> cursed wizards. Yes, we certainly would not want to encounter any wizards. I think uh, staying by the fire would probably be best. If it were me taken by a Grick, I'd sure like somebody to come looking for me. So I think the right thing to do would be to go and have a look for a minute. Gideon points over at Ornan and says, I, I, you're right. I think you're right. And Ryla shakes her head. She's like, we've lost two. We, are we going to lose two more? They are lost. I'm fairly certain that they did not survive the initial attacks of the Grick. Then their family should have a body to bury. Okay, who's going to follow the Gricks around and collect their 
That's a good question. While all this is going on, Maugrim um, is going to walk over to Ornan and actually take off the neurodisruptor thingy that he had stuck into his arm, the large thumbtack pushpin type thing that he had used, and apply okay. like a very small little bandage on the the puncture mark. It's a it's a bluey bandaid. <laughs> it's got a smiley 100%. face on it, but bluey's better. <laughs> Honestly, I, if that is what you choose to do, then by all means go. But honestly, I think they're already lost. And traipsing around in the woods after these Grick, they've been got, they've, they've had a head start and they can blend in very well. They shouldn't be too hard to track, honestly, though. They're dragging bodies, but still, who knows what they're bringing it back to? This may have just been a small, a small party bringing it back to a bunch of juvenile ones that could very easily overwhelm us. Maybe we could we could take the night and in the morning do a quick look over the trail and see if if there is any um, remains we could recover for the families. Uh, Ornan, I, I think that would be very kind. Well, I, it doesn't sit well with me. If these individuals have already died, then I do not know or understand what the uh, benefit of going after them would provide us unless there is some sort of artifact or information which they carried, which would be sensitive and would require retrieval. Um, otherwise, I do not see the sense in risking additional damage or limb. And honestly, we're already down to three horses for two carriages. It's going to be a hard trek back. And if we had more wounded, more to carry on these already overburdened carriages, in the wet road and the mud, it's, it's going to be a hard trek already. You're all making sense, but I, I still don't have to like it. Oh, I don't like any of it. I like my bed. <laughs> <laughs> Ryla, this um, silver-haired, uh, probably like 30-year-old woman, uh, you have still not seen her smile, and now you probably never will um, after what happened uh, tonight. She is encouraging Gideon. She's saying, we should hitch up the horses now and move along at least a mile down the road, something just to get away in case they come back for more. They got a taste for blood and there's still a whole horse out there for them to come back and get. I don't want them anywhere near us. And Gideon's nodding. He says, I, I think that might be the best, but I don't know that it's safe right now. It's so dark and the, the trail is so muddy. What if what if we break an axle? What if we crack a wheel? Then, then we're stuck here. Well, we could always fan out in front and have... Uh, some of us walking in front to just seek a safe path for the, the carriages and the horses and warn of any pits or mud puddles and it'd be slow going. I also agree that carcass is going to attract more than just Griggs. It could attract bears or wolves or falcon wolves. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Ornan's going to wander north to where the two were captured. And I just want to like look in the dirt, see how much blood there is, see if I get an idea if either of them could still be alive when they were taken. Okay. Why don't you make a medicine check as Calden um, Silvercrest as well? Can I do a survival well? check? Like a tracking like, sort of? Yeah, yeah. Didn't I say do a okay. survival check? Oh, yeah. I, think you said, I thought you said medicine. Oh, I did say medicine because I was thinking about blood. Yeah, you can do a survival or medicine, whichever okay. one. Oh no! First roll of the day is in that one. So I <laughs> yes. got a three. 
Um, it's it's hard to tell because um, the way that Gricks move, where they slither on the ground, the ground is all uh, just kind of uh, churned up a bit. It seems like the initial attack, um, the people did uh, spasm and fight back quickly, but they did not. Um, they didn't. They didn't. At, mm, that's as far as I'll tell you. Actually, yeah, it's it's hard to tell because the ground is so muddy and and and, uh, and beat up cool. right here where they were sleeping. Um, okay. Calden has lit a torch, and Tobias, uh, the the employee of the Baron, he is also going to light up a torch. Um, and it seems like everybody is of the opinion that they should move along tonight. But it seems also like nobody can agree on what all to take. You hear some people saying, oh, let, "Just leave the one wagon. Just hitch up the horses to the to the to the wagon that we can uh, load up what we can, and let's let's get out of here." And then you have the drivers who are upset because they don't want to lose their wagon, and if it's left here, then who's going to come and pilfer it? You know, um, in the night or the next day. And somebody else is saying, "Well, you can get back to Barograd, and you can come back to get the wagon in a couple of days, and probably nobody will be through here by then." So there is this debate going back and forth, and you all are a part of this group, so you guys can say whatever whatever you feel would be best. It seems like it's pretty well split at this point. How hard would it be to hook all three horses up to the lead carriage and then to lash the second carriage behind the first? Make a little train. And then have all of us walking alongside of it to, to guide it? Yeah, and in front as well to make sure we, we find the, the optimal path to avoid breaking wheels. It seems that such a thing could be... Uh achievable, although the weight matter may still be problematic. I would think they might still need to lose some belongings in order to ensure that the horses can still manage to pull both tethered wagons. I may not look it, but I could probably help push a little. Let me let me see if I can find my back brace in here. And Ornan's gonna <laughs> start digging through his backpack looking for a brace. Well, Calden, what do you think? I'm obviously here to ex- escort you home. So what you, your opinion matters here, at least to me. Calvin says, uh, whatever you feel is safest, I, I don't like the idea of traipsing around in the dark, but if we all stay together, I, I think that that would be, that would be best. And, and I can't help but realize how close those Grick were to me. They kind of glances over to where the other two were sleeping, the two victims. And, uh, he realizes that he was sleeping maybe six feet from them, um, says that very well could have been me I would like to place some place some distance between us and and this spot all right staying together yes um so Paul I am proficient in land vehicles can I use that in any way to help with this um moving of the carriages or even to answer the question if it's possible yeah, so uh, that's very good. So I will tell you it is possible. I'm glad that you have that skill because I was going to have you make some kind of a check to put them together because you got some things going against you and that is that it is dark. Um, it is also that you have a two-horse harness uh, and you're trying to hook three horses up to the two-horse harness. Uh, so that's got to be rigged up somehow. You also have to get the one wagon that's just gotten pulled out of the mud back to the other wagon or get the other wagon up to that first wagon. So there's a lot that has to happen. I was going to make you guys make a roll with disadvantage, but now I'll say the darkness and the, um, and the kind of the complexity of it uh, is countered by the uh, fact that you have proficiency in uh, operating land vehicles. And I will say you can make it uh, a straight check and it will be a difficulty 12 to get this all rigged up, but it is going to take some time. 
I didn't realize you were such a car guy. Uh, <laughs> mark your calendars, guys. This is the first time in any D&D campaign in history where proficiency in vehicles, parentheses, <laughs> land has actually come into play. <laughs> All right. And here's a little secret, guys. I also have vehicles, parentheses, water proficiency. Oh, hey, man. Oh. Yeah, we're getting this up. We are going to be so okay. <laughs> <laughs> So is this like a is this like a modified animal handling check then or an intelligence? What do we think? It'll be, we'll have him do. We'll have Matt make the uh, the, oh, the land vehicles. Okay, uh, check um, and just make it straight. Difficulty twelve. D- but what's the what's the attribute I'm using for it? Um, what attribute do you think? Intelligence or um, <laughs> you probably don't want to use intelligence. It would. I'm, I mean, I'm either, I would say intelligence or dexterity, but probably closer to intelligence. I'll so let you I'll, use dexterity if you okay. want to, if you'd rather do dexterity. That's fine. Okay, here I go. And what's our, our proficiency bonus right now is plus two. Okay, so I got to add two yes. to this roll. That's a 10. It's a 10. Uh, try as you might, you can't get that second uh, carriage to actually hook up securely enough. The horses, you get them hooked up. You've got all three hooked up to the one wagon, but it starts to pull and that back wagon starts to wobble and it does not follow along and track the way you expect it to. And you realize quite quickly after about 30 or 40 feet down the road that that back wagon is going to, um, it's going to get you into some trouble. It's going to get caught up. It's going to get stuck somewhere. And so after about an hour of trying to make this work, um, Gideon finally says, ah, hold up, we'll just have to we'll just have to come back for it in a day or two. But let's let's salvage what we can. And then they go and they start moving uh, boxes and chests and bags from the one wagon into uh, the first wagon. There is one chest on the second wagon that um, they go to lift up and they're like, oh, uh, this one can stay. This one's empty. And you hear Tobias speak up and says, nope, that one, that one has to go. That, that one is required to go. And Gideon is like, no, we don't have space for this. It's not necessary. Um, and there is a little bit of an argument going back and forth between Gideon and Tobias until finally Tobias says, if that does not go, then it will be the Baron who will have words with you. And that's enough to finally get Gideon to, uh, to agree. And then they strap this large... Um, chest uh, onto the very top of this first carriage. It now looks quite precarious. There are boxes and bags and things stacked very, very high, uh, but you have managed to get everything all rigged up and moved over, and you are leaving behind this mostly empty second carriage as you all venture out into the night along the road. At this point, it's probably about midnight. Did the stuff for my inn get loaded over to the new to the one wagon? So I'm going to have you make a persuasion check to um, to try to persuade them to make sure that makes it onto the first carriage. How many how many boxes were there for um, my stuff? I think I, I, there, there were, I think I said there was uh, potatoes and turnips. So we'll say that there were two, two boxes, okay, two crates. Can I help with this persuasion too? Sure, but Ornan has to make it. Yeah, you know that if we don't bring the provisions for the all the way in, then when you get there, you won't be able to enjoy the fine delicacies that it can provide. Especially our mycelium mead. It's it's the talk of the town. I can attest. It's it's very good. Uh, uh, this <laughs> might be exaggeration. <laughs> Honestly, I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a gin drinker, so well let's uh, make your check. Ornan got an eighteen on his persuasion. Oh my gosh. Nice. 
All right, yeah, you end up getting um, both of the crates then onto the, um, you get the turnips and the potatoes up onto the, the first carriage. Um, you do notice that there are a couple of bags that get left behind and you realize that those are the bags of the two people who were dragged off into the woods. Ooh. Okay, I'm going to grab one of those. <laughs> I can put both of them in my pack, don't you worry. All right, you now have um, the, um, what's it called? The um, the personal effects. Personal effects. You have you have two personal effects in your in your bag. Okay. All right. I want you guys. I'm gonna have you guys make a um, a survival check. You guys can help each other out, but as you are moving through uh, the night, uh, you're gonna be moving for a, a half an hour to an hour before you try to bed down again for the night. Um, just make a survival check to see how far you get and if there's any trouble. So, so one person can make it with advantage because you guys are all helping each other. Difficulty twelve. Not me. I have decent survival. Why don't you do it then? I only have a plus two on survival. Yeah, I'm I'm not very uh, wood savvy. Okay. So I will roll this. Ooh, got a 19 with an advantage for a 24. Oh, nice. Nice. That's a very good roll. So I will say since you pretty much doubled the difficulty, um, I, I'll say that you actually end up making really good time. Um, somehow hooking up the third horse, um, the way that horses work, this is, I'm, I'm kind of BSing this. I heard this like years ago, but horses, they are, they work synergistically. If you have two horses pulling together, instead of like, you don't like double their strength, you like quadruple their strength because they're synergizing. I don't know if that's true or not, but it sounds good. You, you sound like some kind of corporate manager at this point. <laughs> They're synergizing the bottom line. They're maximizing the earnings potential. By increasing oh their operational leverage. You need to turn it into an acronym, though, that nobody understands. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, posh, the power of synergizing horses. There you go. Um <laughs> So you guys, you guys actually make really good time. You actually make it about uh, at least an extra two or three miles past uh, where you thought you would get to before um, Gideon says, oh, that's, that'll be good for the night. Let's, let's set up again. This time, let's ring our camp with torches and hopefully keep anything else that might be out there at bay, at least for the night. Everybody starts to set up their, their camps again, their bedrolls, their tents. Um, Gee, wherever you end up setting up your bedroll, Calden comes right next to you and rolls his out right next to you. He tries to make sure that he is between, that, sorry, that, yeah, he is between you and the fire. So he feels like he's got a fire, like the, the actual the campfire um, on one side of him and then you on the other side. And then the whole area you guys are in is ringed with torches. Okay, sounds good. Okay. All right, you guys going to continue watches? I think that's a good idea. I wouldn't mind taking a watch. Uh, I don't want to get surprised again. Honestly, I'm I'm up now. So Sylvie, if you wanted to watch with me, we could uh, we could split the watch. Yeah, I could do that. Ornan is already asleep. <laughs> he <laughs> took the first talk. watch. He took the first watch. Ornan's like, I don't know about leaving these people behind. Well, good night. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So it looks like Sylvie and Gee are going to stay up uh, at least for a little bit together. Um. You have again. You have Ryla is sleeping in the in the car- car- uh, the carriage. Gideon is laying down, but you can hear him being very restless. Tobias is laying down, but this time he's got both of his soldiers, these his guards that he's got. They are both moving up and down the road, keeping an eye out um, and making sure nothing comes out of the woods. They're making this slow circle of the camp, and we have Guy and Sylvie who are awake. Sylvie will reach into her pack and pull out a little bit of bread and cheese and offer some to, to Guy. Oh, thank you. 
I will I'll take it and eat some and Prancival's right there with us. And I know some of you listeners are wondering why Prancival wasn't in the fight in the initiative order and stuff last time. It's because Paul didn't have a token, so I found a really cute Corgi token for him. You did, and then I still didn't download Aww. it, so I've got to, I'm doing that right now while you guys talk. <laughs> so, Sylvie, I... Um, I know this is going to be very quiet, like hush-hush. So, Sylvie, I couldn't help but notice that you are what we call in um, my line of work, former line of work, a, a Pahaftma. I, I don't know what that means, um... I don't know if I should be offended or not. No, I, it's it's just an acronym. It's it's a sorry, Paul. You, you, you started. I don't even know you started, what you're saying, but I hate it. Paul started talking about acronyms, so I'm like, I should write something down. Um, oh my gosh. Well, it's a it's a person of high aptitude for the magical arts, a Bahaftma. Jeez, I feel so dumb. I feel so dumb saying that. It's okay. It's okay. I love it. For the magical arts. A person of high aptitude for the magical arts. I just want to. I know that you're not from here. You've maybe haven't experienced some of the things that others have, but I just want to warn you. It's very dangerous. And I understand the gri- the squid snakes were also very dangerous, but discretion and secrecy are going to be essential if you're to stay safe. I know there's no. There's no Inquisitors here with us, at least it's not as far as I can tell, but it's not the Inquisition that comes door to door finding the magic users. It's neighbors and friends and co-workers and family that turn them in. I just want you to be careful. Sylvie will kind of bristle a little bit and say, I, I, I appreciate your concern, Guy. Um, I'm, I'm very well aware of the risk. I, uh, well... I don't know. I felt like getting rid of those snake creatures was worth it, but I, I do appreciate you looking out. Well, if there's anything I, I can do for you, I here's the deal. I may still have some contacts in case you ever do run afoul of anyone um, and need a place to lay low or a, a new face, a name. Um, just... Let me know. Be careful. Do you do you work with with other magic users? You're not the first I've known. I mean, again. Oh, but your your friends. Uh. Yes, discretion is extremely important. So, I'll just say that. And again, now I'm using like a thieves can't code. That um, I have been known to... What's, what's a good random code that would mean nothing? I have been known to pick my neighbor's potatoes. <laughs> That's the code. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds so badass and so silly at the same time. I love it. Who among us hasn't? <laughs> I, your answer there just tells me that you have no idea what I just said. Um, that sounds like a <laughs> euphemism. <laughs> uh, so was, I saw some things you can do. What are some... Maybe this isn't the place to have this conversation. I'd be very interested to know a little bit more about your skill set and experience when we are in less dangerous environs. 
Yes, um, I'm not not sure where's less dangerous with those inquisitors at the at the end, but I don't know. Maybe maybe it's time for me to to head to another town. Uh, real quick, I'm going to make a note here um, for everybody. Um, you would know that Baragrad is a small town in the middle of nowhere. And so the idea of meeting Inquisitors here is much less common. But really, any city or settlement, you're going to run into acolytes of Aeona. And they're not all Inquisitors. They're not all, you know, um, lamplighters. Uh, but um, the larger the town, the more population you... Uh, you are around, the more likely you are to have some sort of a group of Inquisition. And that's really anywhere in the entire country of Severia, but especially in the south, in the barony of Rovia. We can get to that if that ever comes up in the story. Well, I do not like the demographic in this small town with a number of Inquisitors to ratio of people. It's not making me feel comfy. It's Yeah, they do seem a little overrepresented in Barograd. That's true. Um, well, honestly, it's as safe as any place, as long as you keep your nose clean. How long have you been here? Oh, going on, I think, three months or so. Yeah, it was a a sudden, a sudden departure for me, and I found myself here and had to uh, make some new friends. It's off. It's awfully kind of you to offer to uh, protect the the son of what is her title? Sorry. It's just oh, her name is Lady Silvercrest. She's the, the the widow Silvercrest. She's not the Baroness, though. No, 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 no. She's no. just oh, okay. She's just a rich old lady. Okay. She's a wealthy <laughs> lady that rents me a room. Well, it's very very brave of you to to help her, you know, escort her son. Yes, well. Sylvia has no idea what's going on. She's got me by the short hairs, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I pick her potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's um, it's out of the ordinary for me. I will say that, um, but it's like I said, she rents me a room, and it's a favor. So those are good to collect as well. By the way, collecting favors is a good way to stay safe and to have some resources when things hit the fan. Again, fans don't have. We don't have fans here, so it would be um, when things hit the. Um, Hence the windmill. I was yes. gonna say when the cow, cow when the cow cow. kicks the lamp. I don't know yes. when the cow kicks over the lamp. I was, just, and then... I was trying to think what is that thing that the women fan themselves at church? And no, it's a fan. So yeah, they're fans. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say we definitely do have fans. They're just not mm-hmm. mechanical. I always assumed it was like a mechanical fan, and you're like throwing it through, and it's like, and like spreading everywhere. I'm pretty sure that is what it, what it, what it means. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that is. I don't think it's like some lady in church and then these throw poop at her. I don't think that's what it means. Guess <laughs> 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 it depends on what kind of what kind of church you're going to, you know? Yeah. So favors, collecting favors. So yes, um, and honestly, at this point, I feel I owe you one. At least, for the work you did back there with those squid snakes. Well, I'll be sure to keep that in my pocket. And I will, then as we continue our watch, I'll pull out my book that I have on my belt, and I will write in it almost like a journal while I'm keeping my watch. And I'm going to feed cheese to the corgi. (laughs) Oh, he's extremely (laughs) lactose intolerant. That's okay, he's not sleeping in my tent. (laughs) He is downing that cheese. 
<laughs> sometimes, sometimes for a snack, I'll get a slice of cheese and I'll share it with my dog. <laughs> it's the cheese tax. You always pay the cheese tax. Exactly. <laughs> as uh, Sylvie, as you uh, watch with Guy, after a while, after a couple hours, you know that if you don't get some more sleep, you're going to be uh, you're going to be tired the next day. Um, Guy, you are up kind of by yourself. You see these guards are continuing to walk around the camp. You imagine they're going to be exhausted tomorrow. Um, is anybody else going to get up for the night to watch with Guy? Oh, my watch. I am also going to have to get at least two more hours of, of rest in. Oh, so gotcha. I, I can't watch the rest of the night either. Hey, who are you going to wake up? Had Mogram had his watch yet? I don't think so yet. All right, then I'll wake up Mogram and I will wake up. Um, who else is there? There's Calden and there's Tobias and there's Gideon and there's Ryla. And, okay. Um, I will. Gideon and Ryla were doing a watch before, though, right? Yes. Well, actually, Gideon was, Ryla was sleeping. She is sleeping still in the wagon. And she doesn't smile, right? She does not smile, no. She is very, very serious. Okay. You know what? I'm going to give it a try. <laughs> so I'm <laughs> okay. going to go try to gently wake uh, Ryla. Okay. So you start walking up to the carriage. You can see that she's sleeping on the carriage, like not inside the box. She's sleeping on the driver's seat. Um, she's got a little pillow, a little blanket pulled up over her shoulders. Uh, it looks like she looks very comfortable here. Uh, like this is something that she does uh, all the time. Um, you go up and I want you to, are you trying to be sneaky or are you trying to be um, just kind of make noise? Like what, what are you trying? How are you approaching this situation? I am going to... Try not to be too disruptive, but as I approach, I'll say, uh, Miss Ryla, Miss Ryla, I, I was wondering if you wanted to take a watch so that she could wake up to the sound of me already talking to her. Okay. Yeah. Her eyes, as soon as you say Miss Ryla, her eyes snap open. She doesn't really move, but she is looking like kind of up for her, where, the way she's laying. She's looking up at you as you are kind of standing on the bottom step uh, coming up towards the bench. Miss Ryla? I was wondering if you would be interested in helping take a watch tonight. She sits up, kind of stretches, rubs her eyes. She's like, yeah, yeah, I'll take my turn. And then she steps down off of the wagon. That was easy. And as 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 you step down, uh, I thought, see, when you said you were going to give it a shot, I thought you were going to give it a shot to try to flirt with her. Uh, that's what I was thinking you were going to try to do. <laughs> oh, no, I just thought that she was going to like bite my head off. Oh, yeah. I, I 100% thought you were going to go for it. <laughs> yeah, I was rooting for you. I'm like, here we go. Fade to black time. Um, yeah, no, actually, and then as she steps down off of the uh, off the wagon, you start to turn away towards your bedroll, and she says, Guy, is it? Yes. Guillaume of Grants Harbor. She says, Guy, you, you did really well earlier tonight. You, you probably, you and your friends probably saved the rest of us from a terrible fate. Surely you've seen scrapes like this before. You travel this road a lot, I imagine. I do travel this road quite often. But she kind of looks around. Now just at the one carriage, she's like, rarely do we ever travel with just two carriages. Usually it's four or five. And then safety in numbers has been, has been enough to keep us out of most scraps. But tonight, that was... I haven't experienced something like that for a very long time. And I wanted to thank you and your friends for pulling us out of it. It kind of gets your blood pumping, right? Gets the heart racing. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, 
Are you are you trying to make a move? Well, everybody to told me to. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, she, I think she picks up on what you're putting down. But how how suave are you? I mean, I can do a performance or a persuasion, but my performance was only, or my persuasion was only an eleven. So, I mean, and and honestly, my persuasion wouldn't convince her of anything. It would just no. Yeah, yeah. No, just just to kind of, I, I imagine it's just to kind of see if you are even interesting to her. Um, and I think at this point, um, she just kind of says, yes, well, um, that's nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Blood boiling, yes. Um, actually, what I wanted to ask you, um, and your, your friends, but they're still sleeping. She looks over at the sleeping form of Gideon, and she says, listen, I don't like what happened last night. Um, I'm thinking about branching off away from away from Gideon starting my own caravan but uh, I would need some people to help protect it and the four of you, you look like you knew what you were doing there's a job in it if you want to help me that is a, a very kind offer uh, it's something I would have to speak with my traveling companions on but to be completely frank we've only been traveling together just the one day i've i know that the barkeep whatever his name is uh simply because he serves me drinks um but the others i've just met today so it's not like we're a company but it's something that they may be interested in they all seemed very interested in traveling so it couldn't hurt to ask well i i'll i'll ask each of them then on my own thank you thank you again but is that a, is that a no from you <laughs> i obviously have um i serve a mistress uh not a mistress <laughs> <laughs> i i have whoa, a mistress whoa you're backpedaling pretty quick here <laughs> yeah. i'm trying to think of how he would say it not like i have a mistress but like you know you, you know. service a mistress oh <laughs> I am in service to my mistress, and uh, obviously I need... There's some things that I would need to arrange before I left that service, but it's not unattractive to me. Well, think on it. (sighs) And I'll be over there, right over there, if you need anything. She says, oh, next to the little loaf of bread. Perfect. That's my little loaf of bread. His name is Prancival, and he's going to be farting all night. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, she lights up a torch, and she starts uh, going around and patrolling uh, around the camp, making sure everything stays safe. And uh, with that, I think the night continues on until the sun starts to come up. Um, You guys are deep. Magrum has doing a watch, right? Oh, yeah, Magrum. That's true. Um, Magrum, after after a couple hours, uh, Ryla comes over, and she kind of nudges you with her boot. She says, you, are you up for a watch? Oh, yes, it is, uh, it is that time, no? Uh, yes, I, I guess so. Um, hey, listen, as you, as you start to, like, get up and everything, she's like, listen, I, I wanted to talk to you. You and your friends, you were, you were really great back there last night. Um, she kind of glances over again now at Gideon, now she's even closer to him, and she's like, um, Listen, I'm thinking of starting my own caravan, and I could use some help along the road. It seems like you can handle yourself. Uh, I've got a job for you, a, a position if you want it. Helping to guard the caravan that I'm, that I'm going to be starting. I, 
I don't feel safe traveling with Gideon anymore. Well, uh, I mean, this could be this could be of interest, certainly. Um, you know, you mentioned these individuals and called them my friends. Uh, they are very recent acquaintances to myself, and so it is difficult to say that they are true close friends to me, but they do seem capable in a fight, no. Um, I would say this, uh, combat is not exactly my forte, but I am well acquainted with it. I am a, a surgeon and, and uh, practice more medicinal arts than anything else. But uh, the idea of being able to help with the traveling caravan, at least for a brief period of time, is actually something that is quite interesting to me. Um, so yes, in short, I would be interested in hearing your offer as it relates to this. Perfect. Thank you. I will, um, again, this is, this is all relatively new, but I, I'll run some numbers and see what I can come up with, and then we'll talk more in Beregrad. Uh, very well. Uh, I, I look forward to an additional conversation. Then she goes back over to the carriage, and she curls up on the bench. Magram, is there anything that you want to do uh, tonight as you finish can, out Can Magram the make a perception check to see if she ever looks back toward Guy as she's going back to her bed on the wagon? <laughs> make a, go make a perception Why would he make that perception? He doesn't care. <laughs> uh, He's still going to make it like dynamite with a 20. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, way to waste a good roll. Uh, Magram, I'll say that you do. As you as you um, watch Ryla head back, you, can, you can't help but notice a little sway in her step. You know, she's, she's an attractive woman. If, you know, she's just, she just seems very... Um, mm. whatever, whatever, this woman apparently likes me. Really. <laughs> you see, you see her glance back towards Guy, but with your 20 perception, you realize that she is staring right at Franciful. Yes, she clearly likes me a great deal. I shall have to be careful around her. Oh my god, that is the most accurate thing I've ever heard. You guys, okay, don't don't tell Brian this, but today he went to the doctor and he came home and he told me that he said he cracked a few jokes and she laughed and then she asked him if she, he was married to a woman and he's like i think she, she i think i threw on too much riz and i'm like brian that's a doctor they're literally just asking you who you're having sex with <laughs> <laughs> so when you say don't tell anybody you mean that that scott should cut that out of this episode <laughs> you want no, me to cut it i can no, cut no, it i said don't tell brian <laughs> 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 oh, my gosh. oh gosh okay magram is there anything that you want to do now as the night wears on no you know amidst his watch he's just going to be kind of like tinkering in his little pouch that he has all of his random uh components and you know raw chemicals and kind of remaking a few things and mixing a few different files and kind of restocking a, a couple of things to kind of prepare himself okay awesome all right, you are still doing that as the sun comes up. Uh, these trees, these fir trees and these pine trees are tall. It's dark in here. And even as the sun starts to peek up, it's still, there's shadows everywhere. It's kind of got this little bit um, uneasy vibe here in the forest. But the sun is up and people begin to stir. Um, Gideon gets up and starts to uh, take care of the horses Riley gets up from her um, from her caravan, uh, her carriage, and uh, Calden uh, also sits up, starts rubbing his eyes as Ornan and Magram, Guy and Sylvie are all now awake. After a long rest, yeah, after a long rest, 
Woo! <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> I, took, I took some poundage there, guys. Not to be vulgar. Yeah, but I was not feeling good. <laughs> I took one hit for 13 hit points, and I have a total of 24. Oh, oh man. Wow. I, I took 14, and I had 17 left. Yeah, just from the shared damage, I got down to 10 hit points. Oh, man. Whoa. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That was, that was clutch. That was clutch, though. Okay, well, as you guys are kind of getting ready, rolling up your bed, uh, your like your uh, your bedrolls and stuff, you see these two guards of Tobias are there. They look exhausted from being up all night now. Uh, they did not get a long rest. Um, they should still be able to move, but you know they're not going to be as effective. But Tobias actually uh, wanders over to you, Ornan. As, he, as you recall last night, as you were working on some of your some of your brewing, he came over and chatted with you a little bit, and he comes back over uh, to you. This kind of broad man. He's got. The only way I can think of it, he's got soft hands, right? He doesn't, he doesn't do any kind of like manual labor. <laughs> he's rubbing the side of your face. Oh, those are soft hands. <laughs> no, wow. I mean, doesn't like, those hands are pretty soft. <laughs> Good morning. Ooh. <laughs> Such soft hands. They're not callous. They have rings on them, that kind of thing. Um, anyway, he comes wandering over to you, Ornan. Um, and he says, Ornan, is it? Yes, that's me, Ornan Opal Bleacher, at your service. He's like, I, I want to apologize for anything I may have done last night. Uh, I was a little bit, well, uh, frankly, I was a little bit drunk. Um, hopefully I didn't make too much of an ass of myself. Oh, <laughs> nothing, nothing out of the ordinary. I'm actually the bartender at the inn I was telling you about. You wouldn't believe some of the tales that get told over my counter. Guess this man is used to assholery. well okay so now tobias doesn't need to say it because (laughs) because magram already did um tobias uh says yes oh uh i couldn't help but notice that you seem to handle yourself very well last night um against those uh squid snakes i believe your friend gee keeps calling them I'm listening, sir, but I've got this strap right here. See, I've only got the one hand. Can you can you cinch this part of my armor right there? You can uh, keep talking, uh, though. Of course, yeah. He's like, yes, you can tell that as he goes to help, like, you cinch the straps and stuff, <laughs> he has no clue what he's doing. Uh, but he's like, I, I wanted to talk with you about a proposal I have. Um, a, a little tighter. <laughs> Is that better? <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Now you need to adjust my cod piece. <laughs> I was going to say, he literally was just pulling the straps on your cod piece. Orlin wasn't uh, trying to be rude. He just has like no sense of decorum with people. Right. Right. He's like, well, anyway, what I, what I wanted to talk to you about was, um, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I am coming into Berograd to have a very uncomfortable conversation with uh, Sir Roland, the, the vassal of the Baron who, who lives here. Um, in the castle. Um, and I realize, and he kind of glances back at his two guards, he's like, I realize I may have come a little underprepared. I was hoping, and there is money in it for you, if perhaps you and maybe some of your friends might also accompany me. I worry that with potential tension with the conversation I have to have with Sir Roland, that, um, Having a few more people at my back might might be called for. What's good Sir Roly Poly gotten himself into? 
<laughs> Sorry, that's what we all call him behind his back at the tavern. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so great. Um, why don't you make a persuasion check? <laughs> okay. Ooh, hey, another 18. Yeah, nice. Oh, awesome. He says, he says, well, Sir Roland, um, as you know, every six months, taxes are collected and sent back to the Baron. And Sir Roland has not sent the taxes for this last, what do you call a half a year? You don't call it a quarter, but you don't call it a semi. What do you call it? For this half last a year. Six, for this last, for this last. H2. <laughs> the last two quarters. For the last, for the last six months. And so I am here to find out where it is and to collect it. Well, oh, Rolly Polly's a good, kind man at the, at the end of the day. I'm sure he'll find something to, you know, he'll have a good reason for it. We'll, we'll figure things out. And, with, you know, I just met these people yesterday, but we sure created the greatest merry little band. I, you know, a few of them I could probably say are dear friends at this point. As you are talking with your 18 persuasion, he lets a little bit more slip. Um, he says, well, I, I would really appreciate it. The, the Baron is incredibly, incredibly anxious to get that money because he has to go and, I mean, as you know, the money that he gets, part of that tax must then go to the king. And he does not want to come up short. And with your persuasion, and I just, I think probably just with your, with your natural perception, <laughs> you see that Tobias looks very uncomfortable at the thought of coming up short to the king. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I can't promise what my good friends will say if they can help or not, but I'll sure th- float it out to them. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. And if you would do it, at least one of you, uh, that would be fantastic. And he says, all right, okay. I'll chat with them on the road. Okay. We're all going to take different jobs and move to different cities. <laughs> we'll get back together every five years or so. Stay in touch. <laughs> you see that as Tobias walks down towards his guards, like, hey, you and you to me. Uh, I, you don't even think he knows their names necessarily. All right. Um, unless anybody else wants to do anything, the caravan begins to move again. I'll say we'll kind of fast forward a little bit as you guys are moving along through uh, through the the woods along this road. It is actually very easy going. You've got three horses pulling a you know an overloaded caravan, but it's not anything that those three horses can't handle. Um, everybody else has to walk on foot. You do hear Tobias start to complain after about mm, seven or eight miles, um, but everyone else seems to just kind of bite their tongue about the discomfort of not being able to ride. Um, and uh, along the way, uh, Sylvie and Ornan, you both are um, confronted uh, or, um, yeah, I guess you're confronted by Ryla, the, the, um, the silver-haired, uh, stern-faced woman who is one of the drivers of this caravan. And you are both offered a job as well with her new caravan that she is going to be starting um, very soon and break away from Gideon. What would, um, what would Sylvie and Ornan's responses be to Ryla? Well, I'm I'm certainly interested. Um, I can't I can't speak for any of my other friends, but uh, as I as I hardly know them, but I would be I would be very interested in uh, in taking that that position. Wonderful, wonderful. And how would uh, how would Ornan respond? 
you know, it would have to be something real special and maybe even a spot for a 10 year old gnome and, and, um, his mother too, maybe. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it, it would take a lot to, a lot of convincing to get me to go along with, with living on the road again. I was like, oh, I didn't know you were married. I didn't know you had a child. Oh, um, no, he's, he's my nephew, but I've raised him up just like he's my own boy. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know if there's a spot for unless he likes horses. I can always use somebody to help with the horses. Uh, well, uh, these these are conversations I'd, I'd I'd have to have back at the house. Well, you just just think on it, and then she kind of leans in close. She says, "Out of everyone, I think that you're the one I'd want the most." And then you realize <laughs> that she actually said that to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee, she really knows how to make you feel good. All right, All right. as the day. Uh, passes and as you continue to walk um, 20 miles takes quite some time you can see that the sun has gone well past noon and is now starting to dip towards the western uh, horizon um, behind some trees as you begin to see uh, smoke fire from some of the houses around Baragrad and within very smoke fire I mean uh, fire, smoke, fire. Like, smoke, didn't, didn't chimney even smoke, that, chimney smoke. That sounds that sounds weird, but it eh. <laughs> smoke fire. <laughs> Thank you for calling me out on it. You see chimney smoke from some of the houses in Baragrad, um, and before you know it, you are entering kind of on the east side on this smaller section of Baragrad, and then the caravan is traveling across the bridge that crosses along the river. And you are in Baragrad proper. As you travel along the road, you go past the um, the Riverside Lodge, which is the other inn in town, the much less popular inn. You travel uh, past the the herbalist who lives here. You also pass by the Chapel of uh, Shantea. And you actually end up going really close, just like a block away from the All the Way Inn as the caravan um, stops there in the center of town in front of the castle, which is uh, sort of the market area of Baragrad. And it is a place that is called Elm Circle. It is this uh, dirt sort of uh, roundabout. And in the center, there is a large elm tree. Uh, there are businesses and houses that surround the, the elm tree. But there's kind of this large open space uh, in the middle where you know people would bring maybe their their livestock to trade or to sell. There are some clothing shops. There's a blacksmith shop. There is um, some other uh, odds and ends, uh, different kinds of uh, uh, businesses there around the uh, around Elm Circle. And you all have made it back to Baragrad. You can see from this vantage point, you can see that up on the hill, sort of in the northwest, the northwest of Elm Circle, you can see Grimley Castle. That is the castle uh, of Sir Roland uh, here in town. You can see that it is, um, uh, it's older. It's basically square with a square tower or a large square building on each of the four corners. And you actually enter into uh, the castle up on kind of the, northeast side of the castle. Uh, and then you can also see that um, a little bit further west, you can see the top of the the cathedral, the now cathedral of Aeona uh, here in town. Um, and yeah, here you are. As you arrive at Elm Circle, Gideon's like, 
all right, everyone off, everyone off. And then you see people start to come out to welcome the caravan. Um, and uh, I don't know what you guys are expecting, but at some point you do see um, Gideon step over and start to talk with some of the people who were waiting for their loved ones and will not be seeing them. You see, um, uh, you see two dwarven men uh, who look pretty similar to the man who was dragged off into the woods, um, like maybe brothers or relatives of some sort. I tried to tell them to go back, guys. <laughs> they wouldn't listen to me. You see one of them break down in tears and is just inconsolable, and the other one gets an angry look on his face, and you can hear shouting, um, but it's in a language that... Does anyone speak Dwarven? Oh, heavens no. No. Okay. It's in a language that you don't understand. Ornan walks up to them and yeah. hands them the personal effects that he's carrying. Okay. What The one who is crying is inconsolable. The angry one turns to you, look at you, and sees the bag in your hands. Well, these are their things. If you head <laughs> 20 miles that way, you'll find the corpse of a horse and a wagon. And that's where they were taken. We did our best, and I'm really sorry. I, I'm genuinely sorry about this. I wanted to go and help, but you know how these things go sometimes? It just doesn't work out. When you first hold it out to him, he looks at this bag, and you can see him start to calm down. And then you're like, well, there's, there's a corpse 20 miles. And he just grabs the bag from you. And then he starts to he, – he's not yelling as loud as he was at Gideon, but he starts to just uh, just a string of you know it's dwarven uh uh swear words and as this guy is cussing at you now um and then his crying relative kind of grabs him by the shoulder and they start to walk away gideon has like you see him like like center himself take a big breath his shoulders go up and down as he then turns to find um a man and a small child and he goes over the two talk to them as well and we don't have to go into that. We'll oh. say that, um, Ornan, you you give them their effects as well. And maybe don't describe where the bodies are. <laughs> so they'll kind of come with you and escort you away as, as you start to tell them where the bodies are. Here's your personal effects. I nearly handed both the bags to the other one. Sorry. We're sorry you for your to, loss. You have to run over to the grieving dwarves and say, actually, I need that one bag back. <laughs> Got him mixed oh up, silly me. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, I can imagine that's like as awkward as when was it Mario Lopez who who called the wrong winner of uh, the Miss America pageant or whatever? Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That's, how oh, man. that's how awkward that would be. All right. You have some grieving families here in Baragrad. You also have other people who are excited to get their um to get their uh, their things, their their packages, uh, you can see um, that it's the band instruments. <laughs> Thank you, the Wells Fargo <laughs> wagon. I thought I heard the. <laughs> no, it was Winthrop. It was Winthrop. Yeah. Oh, okay, oh yeah. the Wells Fargo wagon is coming down the street. Anyway, we don't need to go into that. I I actually I have a visceral reaction to the Music Man. So for anyone who loves Music Man, I'm sorry, can't do it. Anyway, um, as you are standing there, Calden is standing next to you, Guy, and he's like, so does your charge mean taking me all the way to Silvercrest, or am I free to go on my own now? And he kind of winks at you. Not in a flirty way, just like in a joke, joking way. 
I'll accompany you. If you have a bag, you can carry it. If you have a chest, we'll send someone from the manor to pick it up. Um, I will. I would like to say um, my goodbyes to my traveling uh, colleagues, um, and then we will be off. And I'll go. I'll go over to uh, Magram first and put out a hand to shake his hand, and I'll say, uh, Magram, it has been. Um, it has been an experience traveling with you. Um, and I, if you should stick around for a little bit, I think I may make my way over to the All the Way Inn tonight. I was, there was a proposal um, on the road that I think I need to speak with you about. And you too, Sylvie, and, and uh, Barkeep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yep. What an ass. I like how the barkeep is the one who you should know the best and you don't know his name. <laughs> I love it too. Uh, so, um, yeah, I'll, I will escort. Yeah. Speaking of, there's uh, something else to chat about when you get to the inn tonight. So let's all get together for a minute and drinks are on me. At least one round. Maybe two. <laughs> After okay. that, you'll proper have to pay. Yeah, yes. All right. After that, I'll probably be fine with the cheap stuff. So I'm all in. All right. So we, I think we know where Guy is going. Where is Sylvie and Magram and Ornan going to go? Ornan's going all the way in. Yeah, Sylvie would head back with Ornan to the all the way in. Um, like, I imagine she still has some of her stuff up there. Yeah, Magram probably wouldn't hang around out in the open for very long. I think he'd probably also make his way back to the inn. If he'd need to get a room, he'd he'd procure another room if he needed to. Okay. Um, all right. Let me just set this up here real quick. Uh, the three of you are heading towards the inn together. I love these tokens. When I move them around, it's like I'm playing a video game. I love them so much. <laughs> they are so awesome. We're not on all the right. map where we're seeing you move those tokens around. By I the know. Way. I know you're not. I'm not. I didn't want you. I don't want you there yet. Rude. <laughs> All right. As we're walking, um, Ornan will let them know about the job offer and say, seems like old Rolly Polly's gotten himself into some trouble and might need our help. Oh, gosh, I didn't expect this trip to be uh, so lucrative when it came to job offers. I um. Yes, but I'm not about to complain about that. I'm not sure how much help I could really be. Uh, in a in a fight, but I'm happy to happy to be there if I can. You know, Sylvie, I was meaning to talk to you about this. I noticed uh, your uh, abilities the other night, and um, just be careful. There are many that would not look kindly on that type of activity. The word you're looking for is Bahaftma. Don't worry about me. I'm a I'm a practice <laughs> apahafama. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. Perhaps it's something we should all chat about over some drinks and in a quiet room in the inn. Yes, and she can tell me more about this fluffle wahafalab falafel manafala immediately she's always embarrassed because she has no idea what it is about she's just trying to make sound smart <laughs> oh my gosh and it's all because Paul was talking about acronyms during the beginning of the episode <laughs>
Oh, gosh. All right. Well, very cool. As uh, Magram and uh, Sylvie and Ornan approach the All the Way Inn, um, you see a couple of familiar faces uh, standing out on the porch out in front. You actually see two of the Inquisitors. You see the red-haired dwarf, the one who doesn't have the tattoos, but you can see like some scars and stuff on his arm and his neck. I'm pretty sure we described that on the first time that you saw them. And you also see the thin, uh, the thin man with the dark hair, and then the kind of flame motif tattoos on his face. The Vantorian, as uh, Ornan recognized the tattoos, um, you see that they are in the middle of a discussion. Um, it is too quiet without rolls to hear anything. But as you guys approach, they don't seem to notice you. What do you guys want to do? I think if they're ignoring us, I'm just going to ignore them. Okay. Yeah, Orden's going to walk by like he works at the place. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Although I will I will say Mogram will be paying close attention to hear what they're trying to say. Just because it, for him, it's not because he's trying to collect information. It's trying to make sure that they're not that they're not talking about him like they've spotted him or something. Right. As you guys are approaching, um, I would like some... Uh, so, uh, Mogram, you want to actually be paying very close attention. Why don't you make a perception check? Everybody else, the other two can just use their passive perceptions. So, um, Ornan and Sylvie, what are your guys' passive perceptions? Ten. Sylvie? Sorry, mine's ten too. I was getting my mouse from one screen to another. Oh, <laughs> oh gotcha. And Mogram, what did you get? I rolled an eleven. Um, I would say, what's your passive perception? Passive is 13. Okay. Um, you know, at this point, this is your second time running into them. You can now all very much recognize a, um, a difference. There is a, um, there is a, animosity is the wrong word. There is a divide between these two inquisitors, these two lamplighters who are of different orders. And Magram, I will say, um, that as you see this red-haired dwarf like, kind of like stabbing a finger at this uh, thinner man with the tattoos on his face, you recognize, I think you had a, an inkling before, but now you are sure that this, uh, this dwarven inquisitor is of the Krahanest order, which is another order of, um, of followers of Aona. And as you are approaching they do notice you guys and they stop their conversation. But before they notice you, Magram, you hear uh, Inquisitor, uh, the, the, the Dwarven Inquisitor, kind of, you see him stabbing a finger at the man saying, at the, at the human man. And he says, I don't know what you're playing at, but we have not seen Myra for days. Where did she go? What are you Vantorians doing? What is your and then as uh, you approach, he stops talking and lets you all walk by. And then you see these two Inquisitors actually, they, um, they move down the road. Uh, they, just, they realize that they're kind of out in the open and other people might hear their conversation. And they start moving down the road away from the inn as you all approach the inn. That was interesting. Well, let's go all the way. <laughs> go all the way in. All right. Very cool. Yeah, you guys can head on in uh, to the inn. And there's some people that you recognize in the inn when you walk in. You see Gemma behind the bar kind of doing double duty in while you've been gone. when you walk in. <laughs> <laughs> She's all the way in, the all the way in when you walk in. 
I'd like to insert myself deeply into the inn. Oh, sorry. I came through the front door. I'm looking for the back door, actually. Uh, back door is way in the back. Back door of oh, the gosh. Oh, oh, gosh. No. Back door all the way in. Uh, you see Kino, you see your, uh, Ornan, you see your nephew. Uh, he's uh, helping out, uh, running drinks and things. You see there's a few people in the bar still. It's getting towards dinner time, so they're getting prepped for people to start coming. You see that Tobias is currently standing at the bar. Um, and you see uh, that he is talking with Gemma about getting a room. And you see, um, as you come in, you see that his two guards are st- kind of standing, leaning up against the wall. They look, they look very, very tired. You also see the steward, Edmund, is here in the inn. And he is, um, he is waiting for some food as he sits there and drinks some tea. He's got a book in front of him. It looks like uh, he's making some notes and writing down some... some you're not exactly sure, um, but he's making some notes into a book. We are going to stop there with the three of you. And we are going to jump over to Silvercrest Manor. As we approach the manor, I will um, turn to Prancival and I'll say, All right, boy, I'll come find you later. Go go find your, your sleeping spot. And Prancival will just run away between a couple That's buildings. At uh, first he oh. goes, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> And then he, then he runs away. I'm working on my animal sounds. They're really good. good. That's definitely a, <laughs> That's a definite dog sound. <laughs> My dogs make all the time. <laughs> when they see a cat, they're like, hmm? hmm? Or, hmm? You know, especially when they see a snack, they're really interested. They go, hmm? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay, so, uh, all right. I'm, I'm a silly, silly guy. Anyway, as you are approaching the Silvercrest Manor, you are approaching from the road from uh, the east of the manor and you can see the large front door it is a double door it is kind of up on this deck that surrounds the front of the building Uh, you have to walk up some stone steps that are flanked by these large stone lions that guard you know guard the entrance to the manor as uh, you and Calden approach Um, what's your passive perception Guy? 13 with your 13 you see that Calden um, you, you recognize that he has gotten less chatty the closer to the manor you get. I will, uh, with noticing that then, I will say something about it because I still feel like I don't quite know what's going on with with Mm -hmm. him. So as we approach, I'll say, it can be difficult to come home after so many years. Yes, I, is it that obvious? I, I haven't seen my mother in 10 years. I haven't, I haven't communicated with her in 10 years. I'm, I'm anxious. I'm, I'm not sure how this will go. What are you afraid you might find? How does he answer that? That's a very good question. It's not, I'm not afraid of what I might find. I'm her kid in a room full of suitors, all of them (laughs) my age. (laughs) He's like, I don't know, they're all to walk in on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He says, I'm, it's not what I'll find. I'm, I'm fairly certain what I'll find. I'm just, and he looks at you, Guy, and he says, I'm just not sure that she's going to be authentic with me. What happened between the two of you that caused this division? And if we're getting too close to the manor, I'll actually slow down so we can have this conversation before we get to the front door. He says, ah, things were never the same after my father passed. Ah. So question then, knowing this culture and knowing it's based, you know, 
it's based somewhat on medieval earth. Mm-hmm. Would I know that there is, would I be able to piece together that there's potentially an inheritance or I am the male heir and therefore this is all mine and there could be that kind of conflict brewing? Um, that is definitely a possibility. Um, and even not necessarily being the male heir, but being the only heir, at least the only heir you know of, he has not mentioned any siblings, but Nalira never mentioned having a son until the other day, so. Okay. Um, so yeah, so, you, so I mean, yeah, so you, you recognize that there could be an inheritance of some kind. Um, it, it seems like he is probably an only child, at least as far as you've been able to pick up on. Um, and he's coming home to a very wealthy mother, um, to a place he hasn't been in 10 years. Well, in my experience, your mother, although a shrewd woman, is not without her softer side. I'm not sure he wants to know your experience <laughs> with his mother. <laughs> he um, he looks at you and he kind of looks, raises an eyebrow and he says, oh, really? Tell me of her softer side. And you can tell that he is, um, he is, um, he's, uh, he's pushing, well, he's implying he doesn't believe she's got a softer side. I tried to roll a deception and I only rolled a seven. And I think it's just that I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Normally I'm pretty good at lying. Um, but uh, I'll just say I have, I have not seen her be outright cruel. <laughs> if that's what you're worried about. I, this is obviously a delicate situation. I don't want to put myself between you and your mother. Um, I just know that she sent for me to bring you in safely. Let that speak for at least something. He uh, turns to you and he says, was there anything else, any other reason why she sent you? Oof. Was she curious why I was back after 10 years? Oh, no doubt. Wouldn't you be? Well, yes, yes, I would be. But was that part of your charge? To figure out why, after so long, the estranged son is coming back to the small town? Well, I'm, let's see. Um, can I roll another, can I roll a deception check? I'll let you make it. De- yes. I will say you can make a deception check again. Yes. For this. Yes. Okay. Cause the other one was the other one you didn't ask for. And I just rolled it because. Right. Yeah. Right. So go ahead and make a deception and it was a check. different topic. Okay. Here we go. Deception. It's a 19. So I will say I, obviously she had her questions, but what I was to do was to bring you here safely. And that is what I've done. Well. <clears throat> if you're going to be around my mother, just, <laughs> just, just watch your back. Just be careful. And then he uh, steps up the stairs towards the front door and opens it and walks in. Oh, I was going to present him, but okay. Well, he walks in the front door. As he walks in the front door, you can see as he pushes the doors open into this uh, main foyer, you can see again the nice rugs. You can see the tiled floor. You see the intricate uh, woodwork of the ceiling. And you see the butler, Percy, this tabaxi man with the chin whisker or the, uh, the jawline whiskers. And you also see um, one of the housekeepers. You see the, um, the halfling woman who always seems she's older she's got wrinkles uh like frown lines uh along her face you see for the very first time in your life you see the housekeeper break into a smile and she says young master calden and she goes running up to him and percy uh the butler smiles and steps over and puts a big hand 
on his shoulder. It's like, oh, Keldon, it is so good to see you. It has been so long. As soon as he steps in the door and while this is all happening, um, Guy is kind of standing back by himself at the front door and he'll just yell out, Presenting Calden Silvercrest, returned from a long absence. And then I'll just kind of walk around to the back door and go to my <laughs> <Yeah>. room. Uh, <laughs> All right. So you're going to walk around and not go through the building, not go through the foyer. Um, actually, I'll, I'll stand here for a little bit just to kind of see what's, what's happening. I'll stand on the porch. But okay. yeah, I think traditionally I would go around to the... Like, I don't use the front door. I don't use the grand entrance. Yeah. Well, as you are, um, as you are dis, uh, standing here listening to this greeting, this uh, this uh, reunion after ten years of uh, Percy the Butler and the housekeeper, whose name you don't know, um, you hear a voice call down from upstairs, and you recognize it instantly as Nalira, the lady of the house. You hear her say, "Calden, have you arrived? Please come upstairs quickly. I would speak with you. I've missed you so." And I want you to make a perception check. Ouch, that was only a seven. Okay. I'll say with a seven, you recognize, um, you notice that the housekeeper, her smile turns back into its usual frown. And you see um, Calden square his shoulders and take a breath and then call out in a kind of a, a, his body language does not match his voice. And he says, Mother, I'm coming. And he moves around and heads up the grand staircase and out of sight. I will just kind of give a little wave to the butler and the housekeeper and then head around to the side door that I go in. As you give a little wave, uh, the butler, Percy, kind of nods at you, the tabaxi man, and the housekeeper just walks over and shuts the door in your face. (laughs) We are going to jump ahead to a little later in the evening as you all meet back up at the all the way in i will have um done some uh i will have bathed and changed out of my armor and into some fresh clothes but still my leather pants are very tight (laughs) what's everybody else been doing uh or i guess what what's everybody else wearing are you guys all uh changed and and cleaned up after your after your encounter with the gricks or are you guys just hanging out in the common room what are you guys doing yeah, Sylvie would have definitely cleaned up, and then I think uh, probably would have like kind of continued to pack all of her stuff up if, because she, since she's planning on actually leaving town, um, and I think that probably would have preoccupied her. Okay, Ornan would have put his backpack down and just immediately started working. <laughs> okay, back behind the bar. Yeah, didn't even wash his hands. <laughs> nope. Still has. That's what I got this rag for. Gross. (laughs) Still has your squid snake uh, guts all over you. Yeah, Mogram would have probably gone and changed into an identical set of clothing and then would (laughs) probably have like nestled into a corner of the bar with like a drink, something kind of warm, not alcoholic, and would just be sitting and scribbling in his notebook. All right. And Sylvie, what are you up to? I think I would just be sitting at the bar kind of thanking um, the family for letting me stay here and perform. I can't remember what your sister's name is. 
Oh, she's she's not my sister. Um, her name's Gemma. I thought you said this was your nephew. Is it your sis? Is it? He is my nephew. Okay, how's this related then? I guess. <laughs> um, you might know just because you've been at the the tavern for a while, but um, Kino is my nephew, and Gemma is his mother. And Gemma was married to Ornan's brother. Gotcha. Okay, but you guys aren't in a relationship, or are you? No, but. I mean, there's glances, you know, there's, you know, definitely something there, but okay, you know, we'll see. Gotcha. Okay. All right, cool. Well, I would, yes. Okay. I would be thanking Gemma, like for being such a gracious host uh, and letting me stay here. Okay. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Guy has stepped in some people you see here at the bar. You do see that Gideon and Ryla are both here in the bar. Um, they are actually sitting across from each other at the same table. Um, they seem to be getting along currently, um, in spite of what you heard from Ryla the night before about wanting to kind of start over. You see that Tobias is sitting at a table, um, and he's got his two guards there with him. They look exhausted, and you guys are surprised they're not asleep yet, or not not curled up for the night in bed, and because they did not sleep the night before. And then you also see the steward is uh, is there as well. There is no sign of the Inquisitors that you saw earlier, um, but you are all here at the inn, and you guys had decided there were some things you wanted to talk about uh, together as a group. Wait, so so is Tobias at all aware that the steward of the castle where he's going is sitting like five feet from him? Um, Tobias seems to be um, drinking a bit, and his back is to the steward. Makes sense. You actually, at one, at one point, you do see him raise his glass towards Ornan and say, you're right, this mycelium meat, it's its amazing. Yep, it's fantastic. We grow it here, just underneath in the, the basement. Fascinating. I would like to see your setup. I'll give you the tour. <laughs> it's the compost from all the leftover scraps and stuff, just growing <laughs> mushrooms. <laughs> Well, Guy enters and he'll say, and he'll go over and see, you know, Magram sitting at the bar and he'll go sit next to him. Greetings, friend. And how fares it? Oh, it was awkward. Um, but enough about that. Honestly, I have no idea what's going on in that house. I think I need to get out of there. I think you need to roll better on your perception checks <laughs> and your insight checks and my persuasion checks. Um, I I think I need to get out of there, honestly. Oh, hey, Sylvie. Do you know, sometimes a change of scenery is all that, all that a man needs in his life. Well, I had one recently and it wasn't, I mean, this was nice. This was nice. Things have changed, but enough of that. I, we have some jobs to discuss some things that may take us elsewhere and etc etc i was interested in in the caravan uh position i don't think this town is really where i want to stay Warren pulls out a bottle and says this is a special one it's a truffle beer that we make we don't make very much of it but we'll pop this one out because we all live through something and he pours everybody a drink if all it, because <laughs> we all we live, all through, live something. through something every day. To be fair, but I'll drink to that. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I think what he's saying is every day is special, Sylvie. 
And yes, today is extra special. But that's definitely not what he said. Barkeep, <laughs> what did you mean? <laughs> well, you know, we, we got attacked last night. See? But every... Oh, anyway. Um, so the job, there's, there's a caravan job, and I heard some rumblings of something else. Yes, the, uh, the Baron, he's looking for something from old Roly-Poly, and he needs some somebody to defend him, and he's rightly asked if we'd give him a hand. Oh, that actually sounds very interesting. I've been interested in that castle ever since I heard started hearing the rumors about, well, and I'll look over my shoulder at the steward here, here instead of living in the castle itself. Mm-hmm. I think it might be haunted. Wouldn't that be exciting? <laughs> haunted? That can't be true. Now that would be something. I, it, honestly, it sounds interesting. It sounds interesting to kind of see inside the, what do you call him? Old roly-poly? See inside his, his home and Honestly, I, honestly, I'm excited to see somebody stick it to the to the ruler, the the ruling class, a little bit. I'm not sure if tax evasion is really like cracking down on tax evasion is really sticking it to the ruling class, but I'm That's very true. very excited <laughs> to see him get arrested. Kind of the opposite, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's sticking it to the middle management. Ornan, you would know that you paid your taxes. Oh, very much. You paid your taxes. That's good to know. I'm a yeah. tax-paying citizen. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, if if you paid your taxes and they never actually got where they were supposed to go. Yeah, that would be upsetting. Well, I, he didn't say anything about what we'd be paid, but just that he, he might need a hand. So I'm interested in that one a little bit more than, than caravanning. I mean, I've already got a decent gig here, and Kino over there needs needs me and his life, at least for now. And old Gemma, I, I don't know if she could do this all by herself. I mean, she's incredibly capable and at this point, Kino is almost uh, running the place as well as you. I think you don't give him enough credit. So Kino is his name? Kino is 10. <laughs> yeah, he does a great job. He's ready to start pouring him off with me. <laughs> I always just called him Little Barkeep. <laughs> oh, well, he looks a little bit more like my older brother than he does me, but I can see the resemblance. Well, anyway, on the 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 job with the tax collector is sounds like it's a one time thing. Maybe we could do the one. And then if we were interested in the caravan job after she would still be around. Yes, but I would want to negotiate a bit better. Uh, payment then he just asks us to be there um oh yes of course but I, I could be okay with that yes what's your price i just want to feel out your prices so i know what to ask for usually i'm paid in gifts it feels like the level of involvement no i well i i don't really have an hourly rate or a daily rate i used to serve in a militia ages ago and and uh after that i did a stint here and there and wound up here well, I'd say at least a week's worth of room and board. That would be a good starting point. Um, it, for me, it is all a matter of measuring the, the risk and understanding our level of involvement. If there will be other muscle that will be the primary enforcers and we do not expect much altercation, then perhaps it is not very much uh, in terms of the compensation. 
But if there is a risk of altercation, either from the townsfolks themselves or from uh, from this roly poly, as you say, then uh, or the ghosts that live with him. So what we need to figure out is what the ROA is—the risk of altercation. <laughs> is that what? Is that what we're saying? <laughs> risk of this is brilliant. You have he to determine it in his notebook. You have to determine the <laughs> ROA so that you can have the. Are there are the R- guards leaving? <laughs> ROI. <laughs> As you guys are talking, um, I think you guys kind of missed it, uh, but you, you did notice that um, the steward, Edmund, um, he's finished his tea and his food, and he closes up his book, and he heads around, and, and you see him go into the um, into the eastern half of the building, and you hear him stepping up the stairs, going up towards a room on the second floor. And a few minutes later, as you guys are talking, you see both of the guards that have been watching Tobias, they both go um, up into uh, upstairs to get rooms as well. And now Tobias is down here by himself. With Well, with Gideon and Ryla, they're, they're still drinking, but Tobias no longer has his protection around him. Should we go sit with Tobias and have a chat? I think that that's a great place to start. Yes. Or perhaps... Might need to write down whatever uh, we agree upon, though, based on the looks of him. Right, right. And honestly, right now might be the best time to negotiate and to get something in writing. Bring another cup, um, barkeep. Bring another cup with you when uh, we go speak with him. Of course. And Ornan will grab another bottle. Have have mini have mini barkeep do it. You come sit with us. <laughs> Give him some practice. Uh, well, yes. Uh, All right, Kino. I'm stepping over there. Can you take the the counter for me for a minute? You see him yawn. He was kind of standing there drifting. It's getting kind of late. He's like, oh y- y- yeah, sure thing, sure thing, Uncle Ornan. And he goes and he. Stands up on the stool behind the bar. He's like, all right, what'll it be? What'll it be? He's talking to nobody. All right, I'm serving up drinks. What'll it be? <laughs> yeah. So just so we're clear, I was suggesting liquoring him up even more so that he's more yeah, pliable yeah. when we negotiate. Okay. Ornan, right. Ornan grabbed a bottle. Okay. Awesome. As you all gather, uh, gather up off the, step up off the bar stools and start heading down in the common room towards the table where Tobias, the servant of the baron of the Alaron barony where he is sitting by himself drinking we are going to stop there for tonight uh, so that we can research some negotiation tactics before we have this conversation <laughs> next time oh, man i've actually gone to negotiation tactics in the business oh, man. classes yep. i've had negotiation training too oh my gosh yeah i'm, I'm gonna have to start reading the art of the deal um my negotiation usually uh, just involves me, you know, unbuttoning a top button and batting some <laughs> eyelashes. <laughs> oh, gosh. Accentuating the bulge. Oh, gosh. That's <laughs> yeah, this one and on my shirt right at my belly where the bulge is coming out. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys for playing tonight. Uh, it seems like there are some wheels turning here in Barograd. Some things are happening that um, maybe we're not quite sure of what's going on, like what's going on with Keldon and Nalira, his mother. What's going on with the Inquisitors in town? And also, um, how much money can they get from Tobias to... Uh, 
to make sure he stays safe when he goes and talks to the knight living in the castle here in town. To ask him about his taxes, that sounds terrible. <laughs> Not gonna lie. It's just gonna be the best <laughs> podcast ever collecting taxes. <laughs> here's, here's the deal. Here's the deal. This one's this this campaign has got supposed to have like a darker feel. And you know what? I realized that I basically just made like my biggest fear. Somebody is coming to get money from me for the it's government. The <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you guys, I'm really scared. Whew. Anyway, until we get together next time, don't forget to check out our Patreon. You can go talk with us on Discord and we hope you have a great time. <laughs>